Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. And we get the back view of him, and I mean, it's just a mega. 52 yards is a long shot. Uh, Magnum P.I., is what yeah. we named him. No idea. Just but, a magnum. Yeah, just a magnum. Come on, Cam Ashi. We, we said probably 150, mid 150. Yeah. Same Doe from the morning come out with that nine pointer. Here, here steps out this 90 inch eight pointer. Like, <laughs> yeah. Ah. I'm like, okay, well, there's still a buck back there grunting. Yeah. And then out steps like another 90 inch eight yeah. pointer. I'm like, oh, all right. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> I'm like deer right there. Yeah, like, and he's 30 already yards. thirty yards. Yeah, he he was literally five yards from the base of the tree. Could have been had a buck down at one forty in the afternoon, back there deep on public. Three does come out pretty early. It was like 245, 24 yard shot. Sent the combat veteran, and I tell you what, man, dude, it just smoked. We always get so jacked up when the other person kills. It's just almost like we got it done. Yeah. And when you kill that doe, I was like, hell yeah, man. And we come down here to Missouri. My ass called me one more time. I'm like, is it a good buck? And he goes, yeah, real good, solid buck. I'm like, all right, boom. <laughs> and the deer just drops. Sure, super special to me. Whitetail Legacy Podcast, bringing you back to the hunt and leaving a legacy. Baller rut. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast, where we got the AC blasting in the background because it's hot as molasses in July in here. <laughs> Is molasses hot in July? <laughs> I don't know. I just made that up off the fly. It sounded good. <laughs> I wanted to say something not as PG, but I was like, oh, I'm going to rope it back. Um, but anyways, we got Nick Queen on, and we're talking about the mindset switching from private ground to public ground. He... Uh, Hunted private with his dad, had some success, took a break, and then had to come back to hunting and went right to public and really 
struggled for a while and starting to figure it out. And he's just sharing kind of what he's got going on and uh, how he's making it happen out there. But we're going to get into the people that make this possible. We're going to get in the show. I'm going to start off with last breath this week. Guys, the launch party is in like two days. You need to get your tickets. <laughs> no, it's uh, July 23rd, guys. Um, we've had multiple people message us from out of state, and we're sending them tickets, and they're going to come. Uh, do not hesitate. If you guys think you can make it, message us. We will send you tickets. We'll make it happen. Like I said, we got people coming from out of state already, so we already got a couple carpools possibly lined up for you guys. So, uh, you know, or even if even if they're flying, maybe you got a flying buddy you can chit chat on the way. You know. Yeah. But uh, we got a few carpools ready for people to hop on, so don't be afraid to message us and uh, and see if we can get something lined up for you. But you know, free beer, free gear, free deer show, free films. Um, you get to hang out with us, hang out with Last Breath guys, and just like we talked about on this episode. If you're a guy that creates content or wants to start creating content, wants to start a podcast, wants to start filming, there is an ass load of guys like us at this show that you can bounce ideas with, collab, um, maybe, you know, help get started. Um, and you get to talk to them right off the rip. Everybody's super nice every year we go there. Um, so if you guys approach us and want to talk about podcasts, want to talk about hunting, want to talk about being a dad, want to talk about bicycling, I don't give a shit, man. I'm there for you guys. Um, and uh, just want you guys to enjoy the show. So uh, do you have Exodus this week? Yeah. Um, what I wrote down here is, guys, every week we come on here and we talk about Exodus or a product that they have. And now is the time to, as, you're, as summer's starting to, kick off here we're getting into what exodus calls velvet fest and now's the time to maybe even step into a trek um which is the lowest camera that they have and um, see what this company and this brand is all about um and there's virtually almost no risk on your part all you got to do is buy the camera because when you buy that camera you're going to get a five-year warranty and it also covers theft and damage if you are going from private to public like we are in this episode you're running cams on public and you're a little hesitant to get it out there um they offer a a python cable a public land lockbox. you know they got you covered on all aspects of public land um trail cameras and um you can check them out at exodusoutdoorgear.com little trail cam tip of the week for you if you have an option on your trail camera whether it's an exodus or any other brand where you can lock the sd card slot lock the sd card slot put a little lock on that box um, cause we get more SD cards stolen than we do cameras. So it's a little tip for you guys. All right. You got anything else this week? We got bow hunting league. Yeah. So I got next level this week. Um, oh, nice. velvet gains are here and they truly come from the highest bioavailable ingredients at correct ratios formulated to work in harmony with each other. Next level is your answer when looking to maximize the genetic potential of your herd. And I like how they put herd. I know we're all about the bucks and, you know, growing giant antlers. And every deer's got bases the size of pop cans right now because it's the middle of June. Um, But really, if you talk to Nate, Scott, or Clint, um, they're always talking about having healthy does, producing healthy fawns, and giving that potential fawn buck a good head start into this world so um check them out at nextlevelwithdeer.com and we got the bow hunting league and the signups are open 
Um, you can sign up your team at bowhuntingleague.com. Three-man team with your biggest buck from the year each. And um, you don't have to be in the same state. You can have a buddy in Ohio, and you're in Kentucky. So um, there's three-man teams. There's also King of the Times competition. And um, then there's over 40,000 in prizes now. I think these guys are not going to stop adding in prizes. Um, so also check out their Facebook group. Right now they got the One Shot Yard League going on. Um, that's currently in progress. And coming up at the end of the summer before season kicks off, we're going to have the uh, One Shot Madness tournament. That's going to be absolutely epic going on in there. So uh, don't forget to get your team signed up. Check out the Facebook group. And if you are a shop or a sponsor and you want to get involved with the league and get some um, exposure, uh, they do still have some sponsorship spots still open. So um, get in contact with them and they can get you set up. All right, guys, let's get into this show. It's a good one. All right, guys, we got Nick Queen on tonight. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. I know you've been out driving the big rig and had a quick phone call, get you lined up for tonight. You've been trying to line this out for a while, so glad we finally made it happen. Yeah, I was going to try to come and shed hunt with you guys and just couldn't make it happen between you guys are, well, you're a railroader, aren't you? Yeah, both of us are. Yeah, it's oh, okay. impossible. Our Dude, schedules are brutal right now. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. And then I drive in a semi, and that time of year we get pretty busy too, so... Yeah, it's hard to make anything happen. Kids and work and all that shit combines. You just got to, whenever you got three minutes, you got to do something hunting related. <laughs> yep. <laughs> got to get away from it all. I hear that. Yes, I wish sir. we were but, uh, joking, but that's that's the truth. <laughs> no, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I wish we were joking, too. But oh, I got 12 minutes. I could probably get half of this done. <laughs> yeah. I could go put a camera up out there 200 yards yeah. out. We're yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah, we're good. So... <laughs> Uh, we wanted to have you on and talk about your transition from private ground to public and then killing a couple bucks and kind of what you got your game plan going into this year. Uh, but before we do that, go ahead and give the listeners and the viewers on YouTube here a little bit about yourself. Okay. Uh, my name is Nick Queen. I'm 28 years old. I'm from the Decatur area. I live in a small town outside of Decatur. Um, I've pretty much grown up here since I was about 13, 14, which I'll get into kind of um, – when I started hunting with my dad going into probably till I was about 13, 14. And then obviously you get into high school and stuff like that. And I was more worried about girls and, and all that kind of stuff. And then I jumped back in the woods. I had been like 2015. And at that point I had no, no place to hunt. So I had to go to public. And so growing up hunting private with my dad and I mean, my dad's not a bad hunter, but not, you know, what I wanted or anything like that or the goals that I have set. And so I took what I learned little from him being a kid and trying to take that to private ground and our public ground. And I pretty much got my ass beat, especially the first couple of years. So like, that's what I really wanted to talk about today was just that transition from forgetting everything that I thought I knew about deer and relearning everything and really what switched for me between going the two, three years of literally not seeing deer on public to what really made that happen and killing my first buck and all that on, on public. So I also hunt for uh, lethal prairie. Forgot to say that, uh, on YouTube, Instagram. So me and my buddy, Brandon, uh, we film and do some video casts and stuff like that. So we really enjoy that. So. 
Yeah, I like that video, man. You guys were on some giant bucks there early in the year. I was like, how many yeah. bucks are going to come out in this field? Yeah. yeah <laughs> that was a pile our, of shooters out there. Yeah, that was our buddy Kent. And um, he ended up, it was funny, that whole night he kept telling me, dude, there's a bigger one that's coming out. There's a bigger one that's coming out. And he never showed up. Well, that 150-inch deer that we shot in November, that was the big deer that he was talking about that never showed up. And he ended up killing that buck. So that was oh, an awesome nice. story. We're definitely going to get him on the YouTube channel someday and sit down and like talk us through his whole season since he didn't film as much as we did. We just kind of got to go and like whenever we could to go film him. So, but that was all, yeah, that was an amazing hunt. I was yeah. shook. I was watching gear. it. I'm like, oh, there's a shooter. There's another shooter. There's another yeah. shooter. I was like, holy smokes. They're yeah. Coming there, out. <laughs> yeah. There was like four deer over 140 inches out there. It was yeah. gnarly. It was gnarly. So. But yeah, uh, we, we kind of did the same thing. Homie never hunted public at all. I hunted public back in like 2007, 2008 quite a bit, killed a buck, and then went to private ground, lost the lease, and now we went back to public the last two years. And we, we've we been getting our butt kicked for sure. It's just different, oh, yeah. different creatures. Than, you hear it on podcasts all the time, and you hear people talk about it, but the deer are just different. They're more they're on alert. You know, they're a little smarter. Yeah. I, I don't know if they're smarter. They're just more, more alert. They're less adamant to do dumb yeah. stuff. Even a yeah. buck during the rut is less. There's less yeah. chance of them just doing something dumb. But yeah, when I say smart, I just mean educated. Like you, I've always thought about is when you go to a public ground, you have all walks of life hunting that property. So I mean, a one-year-old, a two-year-old can get shot at very early um, without any horns at all, really. So those deer, those does grow up even, you know, being very wary and very aware of their surroundings. And they're not going to do the typical, you know, buck or, or even doe that would do on private ground. They're not going to do that kind of stuff. They still do deer stuff. And obviously yeah. they get killed, so they're not the, the brightest. But they're a lot harder to kill in that aspect because they are hunted for a it's, lot, it's a lot crazy more. That's probably, probably every buck that you see has been shot at. Oh yeah, or or smelled a human, or had an encounter with one that didn't end well. You know, yep. you get on like some of our private ground. We know those deer; they might have smelled a human, but we know multiple of them that no one's ever even seen. So we know yep. they haven't got shot, you know, so yep. or shot at, or so, they've never had a negative consequence to smelling you. Yeah. When in you know public ground, that's definitely a thing. They definitely have had negative consequences to smelling humans, and like the intrusion like in that I like started looking at more too is not just hunters, but I mean, you think of, you know, bird hunters, rabbit hunters, photographers, hikers. I mean, just outdoor enthusiasts, people like we got trails that people run on some of the public ground on us. So, I mean, those deer are used to people all the time. So they have to be alert and they know that it's definitely, yeah. it was an eye opener for me. Like whenever I first started, I think Cody's yeah, you got goose hunters. You got goose hunters banging in the field October yeah. one, yeah. you know, and then you're like, why are the why are there any deer feeding in these fields? Just because of the shotgun blast, and then you got dove oh, yeah. hunters there from September on. They're blasting all day, so they know what time it is. Yeah, the deer are like, okay, we ain't gonna go anywhere near these fields because there's been shotgun blasts for the last three weeks on this sucker, you know? Right, so, and definitely. And with, like, quick. Illinois, you got that, like, a uh, little bit later of a start. And I think a lot of guys in September are really burning a lot of bridges fast 
because they're doing all their scouting later than rather than, you know, now or postseason. And so when they go in there trucking through it all in September to find their spots, I mean, there's a whole month of pressure right there. Most guys aren't paying attention to where they're walking or what they're doing. Or I mean, some of those guys may be even stepping on that ground for the first time. So yeah. those deer, by the time October 1 comes around, or I mean, even probably some of the earlier you know, openers, they know, they know what time it is. They know they're about to get shot at. <laughs> yeah. Deer are dumb right now. You see them all the time, two o'clock in the afternoon. They're out eating in a field. Yeah. You're like, what, what's going on with that doe out there? Oh yeah. The in the past, there ate a deer in that field during the daylight, but that's something oh, yeah. we're going to release a trail camera episode here coming in a couple of weeks. And that's something we're going to cover in there about, oh. we're not going to run trail cameras as early just so we don't pressure as much going and pulling the cards because i don't know i don't care how like how tough you are homie could back me up on this you can't let that thing set for like a month and a half and not go pull it you're like i gotta know i gotta know i'm pretty good about not doing it you know i mean i have to say i'm pretty once i put them out there i don't care i know a lot of the times maybe it's just because i'm adhd i just forget and then i'm like oh shit we got like 20 (laughs) fucking cards to pull yeah, we have we have all day all year soakers, and then we have like the three week coolers, and those. Yeah, that's you're always like, okay, too. I got I got an hour before the kids wake up. I better go pull it. It's been nine right. days instead of three weeks. You're like, damn, right. yep. should be out here, but. Yep. So I'm gonna hop into going like those first couple of years of just not seeing deer, and what I really think contributed to that third fourth year finally getting in the money. Um, so I think like, so the, for the first couple of years of, of public, I hunted just regular, like anybody else does, you know, I find acorns, find rubs, whatever. I did all my scouting that we were just talking about, like a few weeks before season, went and prepped some spots, found some sign or whatever, and kind of knew what I had been taught throughout the years of, you know, you're not really supposed to hunt in October cause it's hot and wait for the rud and, and that type of thing. And it wasn't, dude, literally, I'm not even lying, for two years, I don't think I've seen a single deer on public. Like, not one. Not from the stand. Like, at all. And Damn. this is great public ground that we hunt. Um, if you guys know who, uh, not to bust a guy out, but Stan Potts, he hunts this public ground out here. So there's big deer out here. And, yeah. well, and you've seen some of the pictures that we've sent you. So, but I mean, dude, I couldn't even get in front of those. Like, it was just bad. And it was about... 2017 is when I really made the switch and I started hunting mobile. I got into listening to podcasts and started really taking advantage of like just putting in the work in the off season, I think is what really like made, made the big switch. And so like when I talk about mindset, I think what switched for me was knowing that I could do it was, was first and foremost like starting, once you hear these guys on podcasts talking about killing, you know, nice bucks, it may not even giants all the time, but good bucks. And you just learn, okay, well, if I put in the time, like I can, I can do that. So I had that, like, you know, year one or two, it was just figuring out the land, I guess is pretty much kind of how it worked. And then I got my first mobile setup, which was garbage. It was just like 60 pound hawk stand with like 60 pound sticks and dragging it around. And I ended up shooting a deer that year whenever I finally switched, but when I talk about work ethic and I'm super intrigued by like, uh, uh, like super athletes, 
So not, not just the guys that make it to the NBA or, you know, motocross riders. I'm talking about the top guys, like the LeBrons and Kobe and stuff like that. And so I heard this story, and this, is, this kind of backs up what I mean. So this guy was getting ready to play, I guess, the Lakers or whatever. He's going to play Kobe. And he went to the gym, to the, the courts or whatever, a few hours before the game to get some warm-up shots. Told himself he was going to shoot 400 shots, make 400 shots, and then he could go get ready for the game. But when he gets to the court, Kobe's already there. So he does his thing, shoots his 400, you know, packs up, sitting on the sideline, and Kobe stayed out there. So he's like, I'm, I'm going to watch this guy, you know. So he watches Kobe. Kobe's not taking it easy. Kobe's going hard. For another 30 minutes, he was already there before the guy got there, worked out while he was working out, and then stayed another 30 minutes after the guy had sat down. So he didn't think anything of it, went back to the locker room. That night, Kobe scored like 40 points on him, just shit on him. And so the guy was like confused. Goes up to him, like, dude, like, what was that about? Like, why did you spend two hours in the gym when you know you're going to destroy us? And he goes, I wanted you to know you didn't have a chance because I'm willing to work that much harder than you. And now I know hunting isn't necessarily competitive in the way of like going after other people or, you know what I mean? On public ground, it kind of is because you're after the same deer. You have equal opportunity for the same deer, but I don't wish any, you know, like I'm not better than anybody or anything like that. But I want to take that type of work ethic. And I think when you combine that type of mentality, willing to do whatever it is and, and okay, I'll try that. Like it might, might not work. You know, I'll try that. Okay. Well, that didn't work. And then being able to accept failure. And I think that was really hard for me at first was I put in the work the first two years, not so much, but every time I went, I didn't see deer. So there was no motivation for me. I was like, I was bored. I was bummed out. Like I was pissed off. Like, why am I feeling? I know I'm doing all the right things, sitting on the field edge, the wind's blowing whatever direction and so on and so forth. But I would not go because of how bad it was yesterday. And I'd wake up in the morning and sleep it. And then eh, I didn't see deer all last weekend. It's been second year, especially. I was super lazy because I had a shit year the year before. I didn't really believe in myself. I had zero confidence. And that was when I was like, well, what, what breeds that, that confidence for me? And that, that confidence come from putting in the work and literally being out. I hate, I hate, I hate, I hate the heat. Like I absolutely hate it. I would live in Alaska if I could, like, I hate the heat, but I put in so much work this time of year because I know October comes around and when I'm sitting in that tree stand and I'm ADHD as it is having that confidence of all this work that I put in, like I might fail and I'm okay with that now because every time that I fail, I learn something, uh, especially like last year. I mean, we, I shot a deer. We never found it. My private property flooded. We had guys stealing trail camera. I mean, and I didn't shoot it. Didn't take home a deer at all. Like it was, probably super easy for me to walk away this season and be like dude fuck public like i don't ever want to go back like it sucked but like i learned so much just from like failing and so that's why i think that's what separates i think private from public a big like a big deal not saying that you don't have to have that work ethic on private because you definitely i think if you really want to be successful in anything i think you have to have that but that that work ethic and that 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 setting the fear of failure behind you and getting up every day and making yourself go. Even if you had a bad hunt, you know, taking it with stride and be like, okay, well, what did I do wrong? Maybe I didn't do something wrong. Maybe it was this or so many different things. Like 
but you're not going to kill him from the couch like everybody says. And I think that that work and that grit and being determined is really what changed from me not seeing any deer to finally putting a small buck in front of me and then to finally shoot my first buck and really getting the ball rolling. And ever since then, <clears throat> excuse me, ever since then, I've at least shot a deer. Um, maybe not recovered it, but I've at least shot a deer on public every year since. And they've all gone up. I went from like 120s to 125 to, to 130s to 140s. So, yeah, I, I'm right there with you. That That's something I, I feel like there's a public-private, you know, issue. But I feel like a lot of private guys, they just know the land. Like when I had my lease, I just knew what the deer were going to do. Yep. And there wasn't a lot of factors that was going to change that. And I didn't need a backup. I didn't need a backup on my backup. You know, you mm-hmm. – on public, you go in there, you got a foolproof plan. You're like, okay, last year, November 2nd, last year, this place was on fire. You go in there, there's two guys in there already. What's your backup plan? You don't right. need a backup plan on private. You go to your yep. dang preset stand and you hunt it. Right. Uh, you know, you you go out there. Okay, I had a crap hunt. Um, the farmer didn't plant this field this year. It's a completely different scenario on this public land, Okay. They didn't plant a food plot here this year. What am I going to do? You got to yep. you got to make way more strategic plans throughout the season. Public land, I feel like everything's planned preseason. You got your stands that you know are consistently good areas. Um, you mean private? Not a lot of yeah, a private yeah, and not yep. a lot of stuff changes. You know, you don't have a lot right. of curveballs. You know, middle November or something comes out of the you know crazy, but. Literally every day on public is a curveball. You have no idea. A couple years ago, we had a guy on the ground covered in doe piss with a longbow with a doe decoy on the front of it, walking <laughs> through everything. Right. You, know, like, you can't plan for that to happen. You just yep. got to just go in there and be like, okay, what are we going to do now? Yeah. That's something that me and homie struggle with a lot. Like, we are very bad about decisively making a plan. We normally go with like, our ninth or 10th plan of the day. <laughs> yeah. Right. Same. We got a plan. Yeah, on that, the drive in. We got a plan when we're getting ready. And then yeah. while we're walking yeah. in that plan that we'd had while we're getting ready, changed. Yeah. And we get down yeah. there and we're like, eh, maybe we'll go with this one. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. And that's that, that, that grit though. And, and being able to just accept it for what it is and, and understand, I think, like on private, there's so much more you can control, and on public, you can't. And you can psych yourself out really fast by not making decisions because there is so much you can't control. And the fear of failure will, 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 I mean, it literally puts a damper. Like you'll stop in your tracks over, you know, well, if I don't do or if I do that, or you, you start second guessing yourself and all that. And I've just gotten to a point now where, like, dude, if I go in there and I fuck it up or something fucks up, like, we got tomorrow like you know those those bucks obviously are used to that you know so we just got to keep keep going and and i definitely agree with the the private you you know the land the deer pretty much going to do the same thing year to year and you can control all that and on public man it's just those deer i don't i honestly don't think sometimes there's really a rhyme or reason to what they do i think that's what keeps them alive i really do i think they're a lot more and maybe it's just in their genes that after so many generations of them growing up around humans that they learn they can't be dead set on now i'm sure there's deer that are 
Matter of fact, I found deer that live in like a tiny little spot, but it's one of those bulletproof spots that you ain't ever getting to. And like that buck Sasquatch that we were hunting for a few years on public, he's a giant deer. And that deer lives in one little finger of private that goes into a funnel of public. And the moment he hits public, it's such a bowl that he can smell 360, no matter what the wind's doing. And so he lives there and you can't get close to him without him smelling you. It's damn near impossible but i think a lot of those deer are pretty nomadic there's no reason i mean they're still gonna bed to the wind obviously but i don't think there's really a reason that today he was on your trail camera and tomorrow he's over there and if there is a reason good luck knowing what that reason was i mean it could have been a coon hunter it could have been a photographer i mean we've had like you said the same thing guys coming in you know walking around and in a blind moving the blind around like so That'd be awesome. Just put the blind in the middle of the field. They see the deer. They just pick the blind up, get a little closer. <laughs> oh yeah, I've, I'm not lying. I've seen it. That might work on a turkey, but a deer that ain't gonna fly. Turkey, you could probably pull no. that off. But yeah, I seen some guys set up on a, a, a field corner, and they did. I guess they just didn't want to get out. And there's more than there's two guys in there. I assuming a guy or girl or something, and they just kind of like grabbed their deer picked up the thing and just kind of walked to the other side of the field and sat it down. I was like, look, look better oh over gosh. there. Yeah. I was like, like all right. Prime spot. <laughs> while, uh, yeah, we're, we go ahead. I was gonna say, while we're on this, Cody, let me ask you, why do you think Magnum's going up to the, that you know, little two acre cornfield up there, um, by the road? Is it, do you, is you think he's going up there just to hit that scrape or cause yeah. he's up there multiple times and he's always on that scrape, but he's up there, but that's where the camera's at. So, um, I think he feeds in that field every night. Yeah. Cause what it, I think. okay. Yeah. We were looking at the map there and that is the closest, that yeah, is the closest I mean, unless ag, he hits really. The, unless he hits the food plot that on the private, but more than likely, I bet you he doesn't even get close to that thing. Is this a buck yeah, you guys yeah. have consistently? Yeah. He consistently camera. makes like a, two and a half three mile loop every day it just and it's never like the same trail like you were saying it's more yeah. like he'll take this one sometimes and then he'll be at this pinch and then he'll be at the hot corner and then he'll come back at 2 a.m one day and at 5 30 one day and we've caught him in the daylight and almost shot him twice you know it just just one of those absolute random but he's he's like 180 inches random yeah. you know he's an absolute giant yeah. but he just does whatever, kind of like you're saying. There's no pattern. There's no rhyme. We're running right. 30 cameras out there, and he's only on a couple random as hell. You know, right. so you know his the magnum zone. You know, I feel like every <laughs> buck has the kill zone, and yeah. it's the mag. That's our magnum zone. Yeah, and uh, we just got to get in the zone on that deer, and yeah. you got a chance to kill him. Like that's. That's how that buck is. You get in Seems the like zone. a homebody, though. Like, yeah, he's I there. feel like he is. He's there late October, November. That's where he ruts every year. Um, but, yeah, he's he's in there. Um, and, like I said, we just another chance to kill him next year. The season kind of moved for us, so we got a chance. But that's why I think he goes up there. Just He eats a, He probably eats in that ag, yeah. and then he hits that, that scrape. You know, that scrape's been there consistently. We've seen multiple big deer on it. You know, so I guarantee this you. Is this a, a public land deer? Yeah. Yeah. Public land deer. We almost killed him two years ago. Homie almost killed him two years ago. Then homie almost killed him this year. And uh, like I said, he was every bit of 180 this year. Yeah, so I he, think I've heard you guys talk about it. 
Yeah, we talk about them a lot. We get emotionally yeah. attached to certain deer. <laughs> that's how that's us with Sasquatch. Yeah, like just 100%. because you you know you you love hunting and you're going to take opportunity, but the data collection and like you said, like the grit and the grind, you, yeah. everybody kind of picks out that one that will oh, really yeah. wet their whistle. You know, if they yep. could get up on them, and that's kind of our one. Neither of us kill cares who kills him we just mm, won't yeah. want to be there when he dies yep. you know just that's the exactly amount of work, brandon are yeah. the amount of work that we put in to to get on the deer is it just you know you just want to be successful and make right. it happen but i like how you're you know you're saying that you feel like you know you you making that switch to to putting in the work is what made it happen and i feel like that's what made the switch for me too was like you kill that first buck and then you kind of like, okay, I kind of got a little bit of idea of what I can do. You get a little bit more confidence. Yep. And it's just like that during the season. Once you get a buck down, you're like, okay, all right, I got this. Oh, got this. Um, well that but, work uh, ethic breeds the confidence. That's what I yeah. think. I think like for me, cause like I said, I'm super ADHD. No lie. Like, I'm like Cody DeQuisto talks about like being able to hunt for like an hour or two. And like, that's it. Like you literally, it's like peeling my nails just to get me to sit past like three, four hours. Brandon will time me and I'll be like, I'm going to stay till 10. And he's like, all right, I'll see you at eight 30. Like he knows. <laughs> and, but I've noticed now that I put in so much time and effort and thought process into why I'm hunting this area, that confidence makes me sit. Then I'm like, all right, like I know I put in, I know what's all around me. I know where the sign's at. I know where the bedding areas are at or where I think he's moving or the bucks are in this area. And there's, it's not a guessing game. I'm not going and hoping for the best or, you know, we, we put a lot of time into the trail cameras and figuring out where the deer are, like where our best chance at, you know, whatever size class, or like you said, maybe even specific buck is in this area and then that going on with the boots on the ground and putting in that extra work. Then when I sit in a tree stand, like every time I sit in a tree stand, I feel like I, I have a chance to kill him. And like going back to this past year where it was like everything was going wrong, cameras breaking, trail cameras getting stolen, guys coming in on our property. I'm sure COVID had a lot to do with that too. But um, deer just disappearing and stuff like that, I, I think – I know for a fact, walking away from the end of the season, that it was just how it played out, and I put everything into every sit. I never once can look back at my 2020 season like, well, I would have done this different, or I really would have done that different. I, I honestly feel like there's some changes that I need to make going like forward that I've learned, but I wouldn't take those mistakes back because that that work put me in front of some deer that just didn't happen, and then you know a combination of other things. But that confidence, like you said, when you when you feel confident in where you're sitting, you're you're set, and then you're okay. If it doesn't work out, you're like, okay, well, something maybe I was missing this, missing this piece, or yeah. And then you can just keep you know stacking pieces until just like a pipe, you throw in as much water into it and have it capped on one end. Eventually, it's gonna burst. It has to. Yeah. And that's kind of how I feel about it. If if you put in the work. If you work harder than everybody else around you, why can't it happen to you? And there's going to be – it's hunting's hunting. There's never guaranteed. So it's already hard as is. <laughs> but Yeah. What we like to say on here all the time is, you know, put the hours in. Because you could be the most skilled hunter 
that has ever existed and not hunt, it's just like rolling dice. If you keep rolling the dice, you're going to hit eventually. You know, if you oh, keep yeah. rolling, you're going to hit. So the more time you can put in, the better. But I like you said, you know, you went two years without really getting on any deer. And even people that listen to this podcast and listen to us talk, a lot of people don't talk about like they're struggling or like the time that they spent out there. Yeah. And they did, weren't in the spot. They always talk about the glory moments where, oh, right. this was the spot, this was a tree, this is how I set up. But the amount of times that you're wrong, everybody's wrong, is a hundred times the amount of times that you're right. You know, oh, you yeah. get that one set where you're like, ah, right, finally, I'm in the right spot. And it just didn't, you know, they didn't come close enough or something. So mm-hmm. I feel like even, even people that have been hunting and killed you know, bucks every year, you're still out there. You're just trying to do the best you can. And you're still, you're still having crappy hunts. I don't know how many homie went a shit. I went 13 hunts without seeing a deer late season. I went. Same. So I think I, I went I know. <laughs> Yeah. And, yeah. and I was going like doing radical stuff to try to get <laughs> yeah. on deer. Yep. Like, it well, that, just- that Tim pointer that I was chasing at, started chasing him at Christmas. I yeah. put in a total of like 18 hunts by the end of it. And I got one chance at one deer that I thought was him and it wasn't even him. And I yeah. never seen that buck again. So I had one deer that entire 26 mm. and yeah. that's 20 different stand locations. Oh, well close to, I mean, I'm yeah. not every mine, single mine were 13 different stand locations. No, not even seeing a deer on yeah. public. Like just, just out there, you just you're like, man, I am the worst hunter that exists <laughs> right, right yep. now. But uh-huh. people don't say, oh man, this is my. They don't get on social media and like, yeah, I just went 15th hunt, not seeing a deer. I'm out here crushing it. You know, they're talking yeah. about 180 right. they killed a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. But even the most seasoned guy that kills every year hits a dry spell where they just get their ass whooped. Oh yeah, and I think last it's definitely year part I of feel the like it was just a. Last year was just a full-blown ass whooping. That's oh, what yeah. we took. We just took an absolute ass beating. 100%. So I, was, I was out there fighting Ford Mayweather, just getting my ass <laughs> cranked. <laughs> Hugging <laughs> it out. Didn't have Hugging a chance. It out. Yeah, I didn't have a chance, but it was just tough, man. And you got all the excuses, you know. We put in more work than we ever had before season. We had more shooter bucks than we ever had on cam. Shit was lining out. Early October, we got bucks flirting with danger. We're like, oh, dude, it's this is yeah. it. You gonna die, I bought, son? I bought, two, I bought two bow tags right off the rip. I was <laughs> like, I'm like messing around. I'm just getting both bow tags because you know you never know. So right, but it was just an ass whooping. So you know, it happened to everybody. So just like you had a rough year last year, we we did too, man. And right. And you feel like, okay, the year before you killed, year before that you killed, you're getting shit figured out, stuff's clicking, and then you just hit that. Yeah. Well, you can't can't control Mother Nature. You can't control the weather. You can't control if the deer are moving. You can just be out there. And that's the only yeah. reason we killed last year. we just out there, you know? Yep. So. Yeah, I mean, I made a bad shot. Otherwise, I would have at least killed. And then on my private piece, I had a 150 come up on me, and I was – dicking with the camera trying to my buddy gave me a lens hood and it was screwed too tight so i couldn't get the zoom on or the focus on correctly so i was freaking out in the tree saying trying to get it on and it's funny that you say that because that leads me to like the lethal prairie thing and like our big thing with lethal prairie is like i 
I want to show people that side of it because I know for me, especially those first two years I talk about on public, like I was so down on myself. Like my expectations were the Drury brothers. Like that's, that's what I knew is success with deer hunting. And I didn't know guys like Dan Infault and like Eberhard and, and all these guys that are really getting it done on these pressured deer. And I mean, they might not even be shooting 160 inch deer every year, but I mean, they're shooting 140s. They're shooting the big ones in that area. And if you look at it now, kids, you know, they're not as like, they're not like growing up, like how we grew up where, you know, parents would just kick you out and go run in the woods and be back by dark or you're getting an ass whooping. Like a lot of these kids are, you know, growing up watching YouTube and like, that's where they get their influences from is, you know, whoever's playing the, coolest video games or whatever and like the whole point of like filming for me is as i want people to see that because i think that's such it's so much more relatable to see a guy go out on public land that anybody can have we're all regular dudes we have jobs we're both working oh no i lost light all right we're both working you know 40 to 60 hours a week and then you know finding the time and making the time um to 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 go out and do the scouting and and do the 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 boots on the ground and figuring out these properties anybody can do that like i mean i know there's some guys that have you know way more on their plate than i do and i think if you don't have as much time i just think you know maybe your expectation maybe just needs to come down a little bit or or you know whatever the case is but i really do believe that like filming those moments of just i mean i got two deer on camera one that i shot in the neck and one that i backstrapped that we never found like that's on you can go see that on our youtube page and i just think it's i mean there's lessons to be learned in those things and i think if if i can learn something and some guy come on and and watch me totally fuck it up like hopefully he doesn't do that i mean go check your broadheads because i just screwed up and shot 140 inch deer in the neck because i didn't tune my broadheads correctly that's on me so yeah that's you why got to learn it the hard way but like you said showing that stuff you you, you do you what we're figuring out is we you impact way more people than you think you do no matter how big your page is no matter how small your page is um we 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 had a message here this week you you guys completely changed the way i hunt i'm like dude don't listen to what we got going on 100 <laughs> because we ain't got it figured out, and I don't know where right. you're hunting. It could be completely different, and that's why right. we always try to say, this is what we would do, or this yeah, is what same. we would do. You know, it's, it's yeah. not – might not be – but you might want to try this. But yeah, you you impact people more than you think, and showing right. the failures has been important to us. And we had a whole episode where we talked about how we messed up things, you know, yep. just because you got – people need – there's too many – social media people that are like maybe they're killing it outfitters and people are seeing them be successful and they they, they just don't understand it they're just starting just like you yep. you see the jury guys you're thinking hell i'm just gonna do what they do i'll go out there and i'll have big deer on me but it's not it's not no. like that and and people are every year you hear people complain about public getting busy dude it's only it's only going to get busier because oh, yeah. ground's getting harder to find. So yep. if you don't click a switch and figure out what you need to figure out now, it's only going to get worse. Yep. Because you talked to like, we you talked to some guy that hunted public like 20 years ago. 
10 years ago, they're talking about all the deer they seen, all the big bucks that were out there. Yeah. You know, the ones south of here, they were killing like 90 does a year. Jesus. You know, and now, Slaying them. now you don't see hardly any deer out there. You know, right. so it's just the deer went from, it went from private to public. The deer got smarter and they stopped getting killed as much. They got to learn. Yeah. You know, but, yep. And well, it's and I happening, think it's happening at our local public too. I mean, we, I used to see shooters on the field edges and now I don't because right. it's just more people in there. So you gotta, you gotta change what you got going on. Right. Well, and like a couple of things, like I wanted to point out that you said, you're talking about like not wanting to give misinformation or it could be completely different. And like my take on that. And I learned that this year is everything that, I mean, yeah, I would listen to like Dan Infault's one that I really feel like he's got a lot of shit figured out. Right. And they're always talking about that virgin sit. And I believe wholeheartedly, I shot that buck right here on a virgin sit. And I believe in that wholeheartedly. But one thing that I learned this year is that's not law. That is not exactly how it's going to play out every single time. And we'd find these spots that we have all this hot sign. I'd sit on it maybe an, an evening in a morning hunt, and then I'd be gone. I'd be on the next property over or, or maybe the other bedding area. When If I would have stayed there two, three, four days, those deer might have come back. And so like, I say that to say, I don't think that there's really any bad information. I don't think guys are really out there. I mean, if they're throwing any kind of education, a lot of that is backed on what they've seen. And I think deer can kind of do that everywhere, but I don't think it's always law. I think you need to take what you hear from other people and take it like with a grain of salt, but be willing to try it because you never know that one weird piece of like what I, I I heard you guys say you use a kayak and well, I can't kayak, but I got to thinking I can afford waiters. And so I got some waiters and I went across it and just, it, you just sparked an idea for somebody to do something different. And I think that's what really kills a lot of deer on public is just, you know, taking that information and like, well, I can't do it that way. Or the deer don't necessarily do this where I'm at, but I can kind of twist it in my own way, make it my own style, and it works for me. And I think that's a big thing. Like, take everything that you hear from, especially like, you know, guys that are putting out podcasts like you guys, like all this type of stuff, like talking to all these people, you're going to gain good information. But does it work for you? Not 100% of the time. And, you know, but be willing to try it, you know? Yeah, I, I agree with you there. There's a lot of stuff we've heard. And we're, we'd be sitting in the same room together recording. I look at homie like, why have we not thought of that? Or yeah. why have we not done that? And it's like a light switch goes on. And that, remember that one episode, homie? The guy was like, you know where you're getting trail cam pictures. You know where the deer is. You just got to go there. <laughs> like, you just got to go yeah. right there. And I was like, that is the dumbest thing ever. But we don't do that. Yeah, we're always I, like, he's going to be right here. But we know he was right there, but we're playing off, okay, the picture's there. We're going to go He's over coming here. from this direction. This yeah. He's like, just go there. I'm like, haven't tried that. Probably need to try that. <laughs> right, need to go right. right where we think he's at. Like, we're always like, he's probably back in there. But we never, right. we're never back in there. <laughs> right. We're always like, well, oh, he's probably going to come up here. And so. like you said, like, it's, it's crazy because you get that from talking, like, to guys on podcasts and stuff like that. And, like, you're saying the deer aren't even what they were five, six years ago. And I mean, think of the learning curve now. 
I mean, yeah. back in the day, guys like, you know, Andre and, and Dan, they had to put in 25 years to get this information where I can sit, especially me, I sit in a semi all day. Like I could sit and get all kinds of information all day and then, mm-hmm. you know, be able to go out and I, and try it on your own. But I don't, I don't think there's any substitute for that either though. I think if you take that information, you need to go see if it works. You need to go like in my, for me personally, I got fucked it up. Like I'll never get it right until I mess it up. I know the first giant Boone and Crockett deer that I have at 20 yards. I, I almost bet you, I don't make it. It won't happen. And I, I, but the next one gone after that, because I know that one time that I messed up is going to piss me off enough to, to do it right the next time and stuff like that. So I think like the, the learning curve even is so drastically changed where like you can get, you know, 20 years worth of information from these guys that have that information and, and pile it on and in a matter of three, four five seasons be a killer. If you really put in the time. Yeah, I agree with you that people, I mean, people just give out content nonstop. We, we have people all the time telling stories they've never told or talking about tactics that, you know, they don't really use. And then we get like the good, good stuff after we stop recording. They're like, oh, I, can't yeah, I, stop, I can't say this, but you guys need to try this. And we're like, oh, OK, right. that might work for us. But yeah. we talk to guys from all over. So sometimes it seems like it it's really good. And then some guys, it's some Arkansas swamp bottom guy. And we're like, I got no idea what you got going on, man. <laughs> yeah. Right. I could yeah. not kill a deer in your woods. I was homie. I was going through Virginia on vacation and you know, you always hear like the big woods mountains and stuff. Yeah. Ain't no way I'm killing the deer out there. <laughs> no, no. I'll, I'll put my hand on a Bible right now and say, not killing anything over 140. Guaranteed. First year. Dude, I ain't even going to get a 140 a there. When, not uh, a oh, yeah. When I, I was, was looking at those hills, like, nope. No. No. Yeah. How, how do you even, how do you even find, play the win? Like, I'm lost. No 100%. idea. 100%. No, no idea. Yeah. That's why, like, I'm, I, I'm good with what I got right now. But people are like, why don't you guys travel? I'm like, I can't kill two bucks in my own state. <laughs> same. I yeah. feel the exact same. Yeah, I have well, a hard time here say? where I live, let alone mountain country that I don't know anything about. Yeah. Oh, you guys there? Yeah. Battery flashed at me. So what were you going to uh, say, homie? I was saying when I was 16, I drove to Virginia and going through West Virginia, I felt like I was on a bridge the whole time because the hills and the, the mountains there. Yeah. They stay sick. They call them mountains. I think they're more hills than they are mountains, but that's just my yeah. personal opinion. But there's some deep draws down there, bro. I, yeah. I ain't even dragging a deer out of my shoe. No, I'm like, I'm like, these mountain guys got some serious shit going on. Yeah. Like, we talked to them and we, it's just, you can't fathom it. And then I seen it and I was like, damn. Yeah. When they say, ain't oh, no way I'm hunting this. Two haulers I'd over. Going, or like, yeah, I'd be like, going out of state every year. I'd be like, all right, I need a funnel. With a field, yeah, right. a little block of timber. I, right, I'm in. I'm in. We can do this. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, and you get into some of those hills, and they don't even really have thickets. It's a no. wide open hardwoods yeah. for miles. Like, there's no thicket in that. And I'm like, because I'm an edge guy. I gotta find the thickets. I'm usually right on the edge of the thickest, gnarliest shit I can find. Like the pit stuff, no one wants to walk through, walk to, none of that. Some of those places, like Virginia and stuff, like, you can't even find that. Like, it's just wide open oaks. Where do you yeah. start? Yeah, no idea. <laughs> like, Homie, 
What, what were you going to say? I would say, like, you know, Mark, he would always get in on a good story from when he would kill and stuff, and he'd be like, man, I'm way up here on this peak. I was, And that's that's what I think of is, like, when I was driving through there, I'm like, holy shit, like, that guy is yeah, out like, there. I got this rock cliff that's pinching the deer in. Yeah. I'm like, what? What do you got oh, going on there? That guy right. had to be out there to get, like, to know where that shit's at, like, just yeah. out there putting in the, the miles. The miles. He's like, hella bears out here. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm sleeping in the woods. Yeah, I'm sleeping at night, yeah. But think oh. of how addicted we are here and we go home. I Think of how addicting that would be to grow up like that, though. Yeah. Like, you would never see me again, ever. I would hunt. You couldn't find me, so I'd hunt whenever I wanted. Good luck. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm off switching to in West Virginia. Hunt, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, homie, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up here. What is one thing that you could tell someone that has to go public or wants to go public this year that would help them out? Just like Nick was starting now. Oh, <laughs> oh, my bad. Um, I was gonna Go say, uh, be open-minded. Just like Nick was saying, um, take little tidbits from people that you're um, following or that you look up to, and just try to apply it. If it doesn't work out, then you know. And if it does work for you, then maybe try to find a way to implement it more into your hunting strategy, and um, just keep moving forward and keep grinding. What would you do, Nick? I say start now and don't be scared to fail. Like you, you're, there's no time like the present. Find a few hours a week that you can get out there and just go look at the properties, get used to what it looks like, listen to as many podcasts as you can, you know, get as much tactics as you can. And I think the biggest one is really just don't be scared to fail because you're more than likely going, well, not more than likely, you are going to fail way more times than you will succeed in deer hunting. I don't care if you hunt private or public. That's just fact. And public is just harder because there's a lot less to control. So be okay with failing. Go out there and 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 build the confidence by putting in the time because there's there's nothing that substitutes that during season, before season, after season. I mean my hunting season, the next hunting season starts today. Last season's finished and I'm starting new you know new projects immediately. So that's my, my take. I think if, if you start now and you're not scared to fail and you're willing to work hard, there's, I mean, you could be a killer in a matter of years, especially with the amount of information that's out there. Yep. Those are both solid. One thing I'll add is uh, if you, you're going out there, you're scouting, you're walking, mark everything on a phone or on a map. Oh yeah. Uh, that's something that I do. And I do it all the time. I pull that map out and I'm looking at it from the big picture and shit clicks for me. I mark other people's stands, other people's trail cams. There's homie can back me up on this. There is multiple times that we've got a picture of a deer sent to us. And I know exactly where that trail cam is. I'm like, Oh, that's, that's a Spartan. That tree's crooked with the moss on it. (laughs) Yeah. Know where that deer was. Like I just threw him. I'm like, okay, that was there. Like, Right. I got all, I'm like, okay, wild game cam facing north. That's in my notes. Yeah, I just mark everything down like that. Other people stand where people might be potential hunting. Scrapes. Even if there's 10 ground scrapes, mark them. Okay. Access. This is what I think the bedding is. How are they using it to get you the food where they're hitting these scrapes? When you can look at that big picture after you go out there and scout, because if you're like us and you're on, two or three different giant pieces, that shit gets mumbled up hard oh, yeah. for me. I'm like, it's hard enough to let it know where our cameras are all at. 
Like yep. that's that's tough enough. We got to number them one, two, three, four, and have everything marked. And then we yep. always forget one. And every oh, time yeah. we forget one, it gets stolen. Or <laughs> yeah, you walk out there and you're like, did I forget one? No, it's just yeah. not here. Yeah, it's just not here. Yeah. Or like but, we'll do a, a little shift because the camera hasn't had any activity or anything, and we'll shift it and we'll forget to update it on the map, and then we're like. Yeah. Oh, you shit. go and looking that, for it. Yeah, yes. that kid is back over here now. <laughs> two months ago, two months goes by, and I'm like, oh shit, I still got a cam in there. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking oh, yeah, at my rack sure. where they're like, man, that thing, I'm missing 13. Where's 13 <laughs> at? But, but yeah, just uh just that's like a said, that... exorb content as much as you can, put the work in, try to make that content work for you in any way that you can, and mark everything down. Yeah. Um, and then, ask questions too. I think yeah. that was one thing that like, dude, guys are a lot nicer than you think on social media. So, I mean, you see a guy out there and it might not even be some famous dude, just someone maybe, you know, or whatever that are knocking down deer, dude, holler at him, hit him up on a DM. Like, Hey man, like I've been struggling. That's how me and Brandon met is he lost private ground and went to public, had a really bad year. Kind of like I did. That was right. When I started figuring it out, I knocked two bucks down. Um, so he was like, Hey man, like, let's, let's go scouting. Like I'm trying to figure out and you'd be surprised. And that's how I ended up with a hunting partner, you know, was just him. We knew each other from the area, but I mean, I think asking some of those guys, even the big guys, they'll, they'll talk to you if they have time. A lot of times they'll, you know, help you out. I think the hunting industry is a lot more nice than you think. Yeah. We get, we get a question or two a week, every week about something trail cams. Mostly it seems like. I just, I think it's just because we talk about them so much. We're always getting some kind of trail cam. No one's ever like, hey, man, how do I kill this deer? Because they know not to ask that. <laughs> they said, hey, man, how do I get close to this deer? Like, I hell, you, I don't know. I, got, yeah. I can get yeah. you close. We'll get you, you within 100 yards, guaranteed. I'm, I'm your man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can get you within 100. You got to fine tune it from there. <laughs> well, perfect. In about two months, I'm about to ask that question then. I'm going to yeah, send you yeah. a picture send, and be like, give me the intel and I'll be like, all right, try this spot. You'll be within a hundred yards. More than likely. Hey, I'm not, if I'm I not do that stay and I kill it, <laughs> if I do that and I kill it, we're going on podcast right afterwards and we're going to talk about it. Hell yeah. So, all right, man. Well, let the people know where they can find your content. All right. Um, so on Instagram, it's at lethal underscore Nick. And then there's a link to pretty much everything that I do there. Um, Lethal Prairie on YouTube, Lethal Prairie on Instagram page. And then um, I want to shout out um, Lethal Prairie Brandon as well. You can follow him. That's my hunting partner. We do the Lethal Prairie thing together. So that's pretty much it. Right on, man. Well, we appreciate you coming on. Of course, man. Thanks. I've had a good time. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Um, Switching from private to public is a challenge for everybody, no matter who it is. You're going to run into struggles like we covered in this episode. Main takeaways, don't give up. Don't be afraid to try new things. And uh, just put the time in. You'll learn. Anybody that's new out there that's really struggling trying to figure it out, we were all there. No matter how many bucks you got hanging on your wall, at one point we were exactly where you are right now, just trying to do the best we can to, you know, Everybody loves the sport, and but you, you want to be good at it. You know, I mean, it's just part of it. So, you got anything else to say, homie? No, I, th- I think you hit on everything that I was I was gonna say there. It's just part of the learning curve. So, enjoy the process. All right, guys. 
But like always, we love you to death. We appreciate all you guys tuning in. Always do the right thing. Try to leave a legacy. And Whitetail Legacy is out.